0: The following broadcast is produced by Brookside Meeting House Companies, LLC, doing business as Forget-Me-Not Ancestry. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. I'm Jane Wilcox, and this is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Welcome to the show. This afternoon, we are broadcasting live from the offices of the New York Genealogical and Biographical Society in downtown Manhattan. Our uh, uh, guest is D. Joshua Taylor. He is the new president of the New York Genealogical and Biographical Society, and he's the host of the Genealogy Roadshow. Um, so today we are talking about both. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, New York Genealogical and Biographical Society and the uh, direction it is taking with Josh as the new president. And we'll also be ending the show uh, with Josh talking about his experiences with the Genealogy Roadshow.
1: And so uh, Josh
0: has been a guest before. He uh, has. Uh, been on uh, talking about the New England Historic Genealogical Society. He was also on talking about Find My Past, and so today he's got his his, uh, GMB hat on and his roadshow hat, and so, Josh, it's great to welcome you back to the show. Uh,
1: Thank you very much. It's it's good to be back.
0: (laughs) So will you uh, refresh our memories? As I ask all of my guests, uh, give us a little background about yourself, where you were born, raised. Your education, your careers. Yeah,
1: so I was raised um, in Idaho, and I started genealogy when I was ten with my grandmother, and sort of started as a hobby, as, as most most of us do. And then it, it grew into an obsession, and then later a profession. Uh, so I went to graduate school in at Simmons College in Boston when I had also started working at, at NEHGS. Uh, I, I left NEHGS to join Find My Past uh, to get a, a bit of the commercial side of the industry. And that also at that time I got involved with Genealogy Roadshow, and then uh, this February I I turned another corner and became president of the New York G and
0: <laughs> And you're also president of the Federation of Genealogical Societies.
1: And I am. I'm, I'm just finishing up my fourth year, and and term limits uh, dictate that I I cannot run again. So as of December, I I only get to be president of one thing, which is plenty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, and then. As you've mentioned everything that you've been doing with genealogy, what made you put your hat in the ring for when the presidency of the GMB opened?
1: You know, a lot of it was actually watching uh, the, the person who, who you know, be- became my predecessor, McKelvin Smith, uh, watching him grow the, the New York GNV from where it was uh, when he sort of came on board seven or eight years ago, and, and and also a very deep commitment that I have to the the nonprofit side of family history. I'm, I'm a big believer in community and creating organizations that foster a, a spirit of, of excitement and, and really a, a sense of community. And so that was where I, I felt that uh, my time would be very well spent working at at the New York G&B.
0: Okay. So you mentioned g and um, FGS, the Roadshow. You also uh, are an instructor for some of the institutes you speak. How are you juggling all of this? And, you, and I should say I you am, started with the GNB in February.
1: Yep. So, so the first thing is, I am learning to say no <laughs> to, to 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 a lot of a lot of future things. Um, but really, it, a, a lot of it comes in in the sense that you know, I I consider myself to be very lucky, and that my my career is also my passion. And so, it it very rarely feels like work. And and so I'm I'm able to devote, you know, specific segments of my day and and of my weeks and and my years to to projects that I believe in. And, you know, as long as I'm doing something that I I firmly believe in and and want to make a difference in in doing that project, uh, you know, I'll always find time. And and I certainly am am willing to make time for projects that I, I find to be very important.
0: Okay, all right. And so today I uh, asked Josh to come on and talk about the new strategic plan uh, that he has been working on with the uh, board of the uh, GNB. Um, He mentioned a little bit about it uh, a couple of months ago. I I should say I'm a member of the New York Family History Advisory Committee uh, through the GNB, Um, and so got a taste of what the strategic plan was a few months ago. And uh, Josh is going to be unveiling a lot of it uh, in the next week or so. So that's why I asked Josh to come on to the show and, uh, and tell us what's new, what's going on uh, with the GNB. So what can you tell us about the strategic plan?
1: Well, not, running, not wanting to run, uh, ruin too much for those that are going to be in, in attendance next week, but, but also understand that not everyone's going to be able to, to come to the the Family History Conference in Syracuse. Uh, just some highlights. You know, the the New York GNB has a a very a long and sort of treasured history. And one of the things that that we're focusing on is how do we how do we bridge the the, the well-known track record for scholarship mm-hmm. with also generating a sense of community and excitement about New York research. And so some of the Sort of individual segments within the plan are things like building a community and working to help you and then to help anyone who has an interest in New York history or genealogy and biography help help you tell the stories of new york 's past you know so often we we, we struggle to, to break down a brick wall or to find a maiden name, and we, we lose sight of that overall story. And so there, there's very much the core of the plan is a sense of building that community, but also making sure that we're doing everything we can to assist sort of demystifying the, the incredible roadblocks that some people are, are presented with when they're researching in, in New York, and, but both the state and, and in New York City. And okay. along with that oh,
0: – go ahead. I mean, I in, go ahead with what you were saying.
1: Yeah. Well, it, uh, along with that comes in reaching out beyond our our standard borders. So there are there are organizations, you know, museums, universities, and all sorts of, of different entities that the, the GNB will look to partner with on a on a strategic level, so that we can make sure that we spread, you know, the message of the New York GNB, that the benefits of genealogy and family history and, and biography, but bringing those those alongside other scholarship and other avenues.
0: Okay. So is it common when a new president comes in that a a new strategic plan gets developed?
1: You know, I... This is, this is one reason why this is the best job I've ever had, <laughs> right? because as I was walking in the door, you know, the, the, the board said, well, we're, we want to start a strategic planning process, and they had, they had worked to set up a committee. And so we worked together to develop this strategic plan. And so it's, it, it's not like I inherited something that was already sort of set in stone. You know, we had the opportunity to shape and, and to craft really what I'd be doing here for the next several years. So that, that was a, a very encouraging aspect.
0: And so, how how does a strategic plan get developed? How did you and the board work together?
1: So this is, I mean, I mean, full, full credit goes to the the strategic planning committee Ed, who who basically, you know, everybody had had a couple of ideas, and and our our chair, who's also our, our vice chair of, of the New York G and B of, of the trustees, uh, she she very much you know worked very hard to guide a group through multiple levels of discussion. But you know, we we talk about things like well, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses. And, and then look at what do, we, what do we aspire to? What's our vision? You know, if it were, if I could have, you know, everything I wanted for the New York GNB, everyone in the world would know about the GNB and, and be able to play some part in, in its mission and sort of carry it forward into the future. And so we looked at, at both a very, very high level and then worked to bring that down to a very practical level of how can we actually carry out those specific strategies or that specific mission.
0: Okay. And, and can you tell us what, is in store. Uh, it may be in broad strokes.
1: You know, you're absolutely going to see a continuation of, of publications that are are absolutely sort of set in in scholarship. But you're also going to see us. Developing and, and working on perhaps joint programs that bring in folks that wouldn't necessarily think of themselves as a genealogist or even as someone that might have an interest in the New York GnB so we're going to be working to take the best aspects of the New York Genealogical and Biographical Society out to other organizations rather than necessarily waiting for them to find us're we're, we're going to show up and, and have a part in that conversation
0: <laughs> okay all right and uh, and Josh actually I'm here in in New York City uh, for uh, what was formerly called the Education Committee, but is now the New York State uh, um, Family History Advisory Committee. And, and Josh presented some of these uh, points for the strategic, strategic plan. And uh, the, the mission uh, was, in particular, uh, you know, uh, very striking. Can, can you give us uh, just a flavor of what the mission is? Going yeah forward. Just,
1: so you know we you know the, the New York GnB certainly it aims to be an indispensable resource for geological research but as part of that we want to help people of, of all backgrounds discover and celebrate their family history you know the, the the mission of of the New York GnB is not only to help people find it's also to help people to share and discover and and make make those experiences come alive within their own family history and so it's it is about a celebration of story. You know, it's, it's things like supporting the next generation of scholars uh, who want to pursue their own research. We know that everyone doesn't necessarily come out of the, the, the box ready to write an article for the record. And so we want to take people on that journey and, and show them the process of writing an article for the record. And, and at the same, in the same token, there's a very, very deep belief that we, we want to touch people's hearts. We want to create a sense of excitement about uh, New York genealogy, about New York biography, and, and really bridge the gap between experienced family history researchers and those who who believe they have a passion for researching New York families.
0: Okay. So then uh, at the New York State Family History Conference next week, which is in Syracuse, and we're going to plug that uh, later on in the show as well. Um, So you'll be unveiling uh, pieces of these throughout the, the three days that we're meeting. We're talking about it here on the Forget Me Not Hour how else are you going to let people know what the, the uh, new plan is?
1: The key thing will actually be in, in our, our existing membership communication. So that you know, I, I have a, a, a letter every single edition of the New York Researcher, and so you can expect to hear more about the strategic plan and sort of how we're moving in that process within that communication. Uh, you'll probably hear more from me from, from time to time through through emails or letters and, and other appeals that will be sent out. So this this isn't something that will be said once and then <laughs> and then never talked about again. It, it it literally is tied to everything that we're doing at, at the New York G and Our our the question when we come up with a new idea is how does this fit within the strategic plan, which is which is important for us so we can stay on on mission and on focus.
0: Okay, all right, and so we'll be be seeing it and living it.
1: Absolutely, every day.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. so are, are there some surprises um, that that perhaps you you can't share right now or or is pretty much everything on the table in terms of actions that will will be taken?
1: And you know, there, there's always surprises. There's always things things out there that, that we're going to try. I, I will say that one one crucial element for us is, as a geological society in the 21st century, the ability to to be quick and be nimble and to learn from things very very quickly is something that we're we're going to work to adapt in our our, our everyday life at the New York GNB. So it's. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're launching new programs and new ideas and we're getting feedback from members and non-members and we're able to tweak and adjust as needed because this is, you know, this isn't our organization, this is your organization. And so the, the question very often is, you know, what, how can we help versus a, here, here's a program and we hope you find it useful. No, no, the, the question is, is, you know, how can we help you? And it'll work to incorporate that within our activities.
0: Okay, all right. So for members of the GMB who are listening, um, you may recall a questionnaire uh, came out via email a couple of months ago. Um, and I'm wondering if you can share what some of the results of that survey uh, were.
1: You know, I, I, I can't share too many details. We're still actually in, in the final analysis period. But it does show a fundamental shift in in sort of our members and even those who are, who are former members in researching certainly all of the state of New York, but also heavily geared towards sort of German and English ancestry. Uh, the German actually came out number one as an area of interest across, across the board, which was not necessarily surprising, but very good to have that type of data to, to inform our thinking about additional programs and, and things that we're going to be working on.
0: Okay. So I, I think and that definitely was, the- was one highlight. Okay, and, and then will the uh, results of the questionnaire be incorporated or were they incorporated in the strategic plan?
1: So they, they will absolutely be incorporated in the way that we carry out the strategic plan. So, you know, we, we, we heard, you know, very, very strongly that getting involved in the community, being involved in, in an indexing project, for example, was very important to, to New York GNB members. And so you will absolutely see elements of that come out in, in the planning and, and also be released in, in the coming weeks and, and years from the New York GNB.
0: Okay. All right. And so, and Josh, here's a question I I did not have on the list, which I send a- ahead of time. Why should we be members of the GMB?
1: <laughs> it, it It's a great question. And the, the answer is, you know, it, it's a, there's a lot of reasons but i will i will give the the one answer that that is why i joined the new york gnb and that is because i wanted to be part of a community you know the finding the finding the records online there there's so many places i can go to find new york records and certainly the the new york gnb's e-library is one of those places but being part of a community that knows how to interpret and use and share and understand those records is a fundamental principle that the new york gnb offers you as a member and so in not only will you learn about scholarship, but you learn about New new York resources, you'll also become part of a much larger community of, of those who, who are interested in New York family history.
0: Okay. And is there anything else that you would like to add about the strategic plan um, and, and the direction that the GMB is heading?
1: You know, I, I will say that the future is bright. Uh, I, I mentioned this in, in the last thing I wrote for the New York researcher, but we are certainly listening. One of the one of the, the hardest and also most gratifying parts of any process like this is to, is to ask members and non-members what their opinion is. You, know, you say, what, what do you think? And so we, we're taking every comment to heart. I mean, I, I promise I've read every single word that was written on a survey, and much of the, the team here at the GNB will as well, and they, it's not something that will be forgotten. So please keep those lines of communication open. We, we can only improve and, and offer you, you know, better services if we hear exactly how we can help.
0: Okay. All right. And before we take a break, uh, will you tell us what is new at the GMB? And I'm thinking about the Municipal Archives book.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, a, a project that was already v- very, very uh, on its way to completion when I joined, uh, that we, we just released a couple of weeks ago, is the the authorized guide to the municipal archives in New York City, which is is already getting rave reviews. I've, I've you know I've had people come up to me and say this book is perfect. It's exactly what I need. And so the uh, authored by by Aaron Goodwin with a contributor editor of uh, Harry Macy. The, the book is just a, a fantastic look at what resources are at. The Municipal Archives, and each of the sections includes you know, example records and walks through the process of how you might use that record. So it really is, is quickly becoming a, you know, a fundamental part of any New York City genealogist bookshelf.
0: Okay. And then what about the, the book, as we call it here, uh, the New York uh, <laughs> Family History Research Guide and Gazetteer?
1: Yeah, the, 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 the big book, uh, which, which people refer to now as the textbook of, of New York genealogy. Uh, so we are, we're in our second printing and what we've done is, in addition to sort of having copies of that book available, we, we've separated out each individual county as a county guide because we, we know that it's, you know, we always like to arrive with, with lots of things when we go to research. But this way you can take a single county with you as, as you're headed off into your research. And it has the, the towns and some of the key resources and other details that you find in the book. And so those are, will, will be released at, up, and, up through the end of the year. We'll gradually sort of, sort of finish those up and then send them. We have about 36 of the counties completed now and, and are headed towards the, the, final six, or the final 30 or so that's in our group. So that's something okay. that's come from the, from the textbook into another resource.
0: Okay. And how can people order those?
1: So you can order that uh, right at the, the New York uh, GNB's website So go to NewYorkFamilyHistory.org. Go to the website, click on our store, and you can access those county guides.
0: Okay. All right. So um, on that note, uh, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the roadshow. show. Um, so this is the Forget-Me-Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Forget Me Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Uh, as you are listening on Blog Talk Radio, you are going to see a few buttons on your page. Um, you'll see a follow button. If you press that button, you'll get an email letting you know that the uh, show is going on the air. Um, you'll see a bunch of social media buttons. Uh, please share the Forget Me Not Hour with your fl- friends and family. Um, Also, uh, the Forget-Me-Not Hour has been on the air for uh, over five years, uh, so please take advantage of all of the shows. Um, Many of them are timeless, and uh, they are wonderful resources for New York history. Um, You can also catch the Forget-Me-Not Hour on iTunes, and that's under Jane E. Wilcox. Um, And we're going to do some more announcements uh, uh, right now, so Uh, The next show is going to be on Wednesday, uh, the third Wednesday of the month, as usual, on that September 21st, and the uh, focus of the show is going to be the Allen County Public Library. Uh, My guest will be Kurt Witcher. He is the uh, Genealogy Center Manager for the library, and we're going to be broadcasting live from Fort Wayne at the library. Um, It's going to be on at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, as usual, Um, I'm going to be attending the Association of Professional uh, Genealogists Professional Management Conference in Fort Wayne, which is at the library. Um, So I'm going to get my first tour of the library, and I I can't wait. And so I'm going to share um, my experience uh, talking with uh, Kurt as well on Wednesday, the 21st of September. And then we'll be back uh, the first Wednesday of the month, and that's the New York-related show, also at 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, that topic is Old Fulton, New York Postcards. My guest is going to be the creator of the website, Tom Trinitsky. And I think most New York researchers know what Old Fulton Postcards is. Uh, Lots of wonderful uh, scanned newspapers. Um, So uh, Tom is going to be talking about uh, the website and and how it came into being. Um, So, again, that's on uh, the first Wednesday of the month. That is October 5th. And if you have any questions for guests uh, coming up, uh, you can find me at janeewilcox.com. And if you have suggestions for future shows, if you have feedback for the show, I would love to hear from you. And uh, one more plug. So next week, Josh and I are going to be in Syracuse, actually just outside Syracuse, at the New York State Family History Conference. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on Thursday and Saturday, giving my New York Vital Records talk, and then also uh, researching Hudson Valley Palatine tennis, Um, and uh, we would love to have you uh, come on out for the conference. And Josh, are are you speaking as well, or are you uh, there as as the president? I
1: I, I am speaking, actually. On Saturday, uh, the last part of the day, I'm doing a, a talk on migration from New England into New York.
0: Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about the conference?
1: You know, just that we, I mean, we're really excited this year for the conference. Uh, one of the things that we're doing new this year is for those who are members of the New York GNB, on Thursday evening, we're having a, a member's reception. Uh, so if you're a member of the New York GNB, please please feel free to, to come to that and enjoy you know, with some drinks and, and some light light hors d'oeuvres and, and talk with, with other members. And then right after that, uh, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Robert Raymond from FamilySearch will be broadcasting a live webinar uh, dealing with, with FamilySearch in New York resources that are it's available to anyone. So we're, we're trying to bring a little bit of the New York State Family History Conference to you at home if, if, if you can't get there. So that's, that's going to be okay. next Thursday at, at 8 p.m.
0: All right. And, and registration online is still open. Uh, it's open until Monday, September 12th. So uh, please come on out. And, and I should say that this is uh, conference is, uh, is going to be jumping a year. So the next conference will not be until 2018. Um, so take advantage uh, while it's in New York right now. Um, so let's let's make another jump now, another leap, and uh, talk about the Genealogy Road Roadshow. Um, so backing up to the, the first season and the inspiration to create the Roadshow, uh, what was that inspiration?
1: You know, it, it actually originated from a format in, in Ireland, and so the, the creator there had, had been sort of trying to bring it to the U.S. for, for quite a while, and a, one a, a production company called Krasnow Productions uh, decided that they would, they would take it on and, and pitch it to PBS, and everybody thought it was a great idea, and so we, we got our first uh, sort of four episodes of the show as, as a first season.
0: Okay, and then how are you selected as host uh, with Kenyatta and Mary as well?
1: Completely by chance, <laughs> I, I, I someone had had known me from from working with uh, a couple of episodes of Who Do You Think You Are before that point, and so they they called and said, "Would would you hop on Skype? We'd love to you know love to see if you have an interest in the show." So I did a a very very brief Skype, and the next thing I knew, I, I got a got a phone call, and they said, well, "What's your schedule like?" And we worked out schedules, and and the rest is history, as they say.
0: <laughs> okay. And we're going to be talking about those schedules. We we wanna I, I should say I wanna know what it's like to to be host and what's all involved. So how how do you prepare for each episode?
1: You know, it it's changed throughout throughout each season. So in, in season one it it literally was, you know, here's your script, here's what you're gonna say, go. <laughs> and you had a little bit of, of time to sort of prepare beforehand. Um, for season two, we were much more involved in the actual research process. And so we were, you know, working along with the story producer as as they were finalizing the script in in the last two weeks. And then uh, for season three, I actually had the the great opportunity to join as as a consulting producer on the show, uh, which put me in in California in in the production office every day and and allowed me to work literally one-on-one with those producing the stories. And so in, in that end, you know, we, we sort of knew anything and everything about a story. But when, when you get to the actual taping, the actual filming of, of an episode, there is sort of a, a, a preformatted script, which, which includes the highlights. So these are the things that, that we have to make sure that we cover. And from then, we're, we're very much encouraged to make it our own. And so we, you know, take the script and, and sit down with the individual. And they, of course, don't know anything that we're going to say. And we reveal and then sort of run with, with the story from there.
0: Okay, and so for those of us who don't know what a consulting producer does, will you explain more? And and then <laughs> are all three of you consulting producers at this point? Um,
1: so 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 the other the other two are, are not consulting producers or, or weren't weren't for season three. Uh, it, it basically is someone that was involved. I, I did a lot of work with the research team specifically in helping to to guide the guide the research team to focus on certain stories, but then also help the researchers. And the people who are actually writing it for TV, help them talk to one another and understand what's there about a story. Because sometimes a, someone with, with a TV hat on will, will look at a story and see something very different than a genealogist does. And so we tried to bring out the best of both worlds in, in that role.
0: Okay. So are the producers actually reading through what people submit and selecting the stories?
1: So the, the selection is a, is a complicated process. It involves a number of people, including the, the producers. Uh, a lot of times the producers are, are looking at you know what, what stories can we tell as part of answering this question because we would love to answer all ten thousand questions that <laughs> that come through the door on the show but, but in truth, we can only answer a, a very finite number within the, the hour that we have for each episode. And so we, we try and make sure that we're answering questions that tell a little bit of, of family history, but, but also give a, a nice experience for those who might be watching at home.
0: Okay. And then as a host, are you meeting with the, the participants ahead of time, or are, are you meeting them cold, and, and then we see what's been filmed?
1: And we, we meet them cold, so so they you know they sort of show up at the table and then and then you show up. And as the show has grown, uh, you you can tell certain participants are really happy to get Kenyatta or Mary or Josh, and some of them are a bit disappointed when they get Josh <laughs> and not <laughs> not Kenyatta, you know, or Mary. But, but it is you know they don't know usually in many cases who's going to be sitting across the table from them. We we know who they are. We know they we know their picture. We usually watched a brief sort of Skype video with them, so we understand how how they talk and what their questions are. But beyond that, it's 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 very very cold when you sit down and, and start that conversation.
0: Okay, so they they are filmed ahead of time, so that you get a sense then for who they are.
1: We 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 uh, actually the producers beforehand. Uh, we'll, we'll just have them do a quick Skype interview to you know just, just to get a sense of, of who they are and what their question is.
0: Okay, so then when I see uh, what. Is on PBS. I see lines of people. are Are they all thinking that their story might be featured, or or do the people know ahead of time that their story will be featured?
1: So they they do pre-select those that will will actually sit down at a table ahead of time, primarily because we. You know, research takes time. You can't you can't do it all within one day. So the people that actually sit down at the table, they they sort of know that they're up to have a conversation. But a lot of folks standing in line, it's very possible they'll get grabbed for a, for a quick question that we might answer.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and then seeing what we see actually on on TV, I know that's just. Uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg for what goes Mm -hmm. into it. So what would you say, you know, in general, how long do you actually sit with a person filming their segment? So
1: anywhere from about 45 minutes up until about two hours that we sit with them on a particular segment. So we we usually walk them through a a much, much longer version than than you'll ever see sort of in the final product. And and then the, the editors go back and, and basically condense that down to the five or seven minutes that you see on TV.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, and then since the first season to the third season, what have you as hosts done in terms of refinement? I'm sure, you know, learn by experience. Um, so what types of changes have you made?
1: I think that the biggest change actually was something that, that came about quite naturally, but you know, there. There came a, a moment when everyone realized that you know, Kenyatta and Mary and I, as, as, as folks with genealogical backgrounds, we will see things in documents and see patterns that, that aren't necessarily readily, readily seen by others. And so more of, I would say, our personalities and our, our genealogical skills have, have come out in episodes. You know, We'll be sitting in a rehearsal room. And, you know, we'll show a document, and one of us will say, but this is really exciting because that mark means this, and that means this and this. And so we've incorporated that more and more into the episodes. And so that sort of teaching moment, I think, has been something that, that wasn't necessarily there or is prevalent in the beginning that now is, is almost core to each individual segment.
0: Okay. All right. And then how are you assigned a particular story, or, or do you select a story that calls to you when when you're presented them.
1: So that that the ultimate decision of that is, is up to the producers. Uh, though sometimes we we know what stories are coming down down the pipeline, and we might we might have some heated discussions with one another about which stories we want, uh, just because there's some that you know some that you immediately latch onto, and and it's it's always good when it's a story that that you just you have such a passion about. I mean, every story we care about, but sometimes. There are stories that you you worked on before you have some previous experience with that it makes it makes sense for you to be the one sitting down telling that story, but in other cases, it's also fun when you have discovered new things in the process and then get to share that with someone else so it's it, it luckily it it isn't it isn't our decision to make, but we certainly will will try and, and have a voice in in that process if if we feel if we feel there's a story that one of us really really wants to tell
0: <laughs> okay and then uh from the stories that you have, have done, what one would you say has moved you most?
1: Um, you know, there's oh, – it's such, it's such a hard question. And I get asked it all the time, and I never, I never have a good answer ready. Um, <laughs> I, I think of, of the stories I've done, you know, the, one, of the, one of the ones that really, really stuck with me um, was – the, the story of Charlotte in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where due to circumstances with her father, she had, she had basically lost track of, of, her, of, of her Navajo heritage and, and didn't realize, you know, had heard it was there, but didn't realize it was there, and to, to find out that she had a very close relative that was a Navajo code talker. And to, to realize that this incredible history that you know, we, we, you know, we've heard about, we've read about, to be sitting across the table from someone that actually had a relative who was a part of it and knowing that right behind her was, was you know, her, her aunt who she's never met <laughs> and, and that we're going to be able to, to, to sort of reunite the two of them. That was a, a really, really special moment. And, you know, it, it, I, I, felt, I felt incredibly... Responsible to make sure that that they were able to to make that connection, but also ensure that the story was told because it was such an important story to tell. So that that one really, really stuck with me.
0: It, it, it stuck with me as well. and will you share for our audience in, in case somebody does not know what a Navajo code talker uh, is?
1: Yes, so in, in an essence, dur- during the Second World War, uh, the Japanese were continually breaking the the code of of our military. And so the, the the government and the military hired uh, the, those who spoke, you know, not the Navajo language to develop a code that was used, and it was it remained unbroken. And so we 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 as a country owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to the, the Navajo code talkers. And in this case, we, we sat down with a you know a very very close relative of someone who had been instrumentalist as one of those early early code talkers.
0: Yes, yes, and. Then of any story that you have done, as you have presented it, as you're unraveling the story for the person, what was the one that was most surprising to you?
1: In, you know, I think it was it was probably in Boston with with Mike Harper this year, where you know we, so so Mike came in and he he thought he was a descendant somehow of John Winthrop in Boston. We had made that connection, and so what we did is we we played the You know, we played the game of how many other people do you related to in that sense, which is, which, you know, is a lot of fun for people because you you just don't realize that. And, you know, he was getting really excited with Alan Shepard and Amelia Earhart, you know, went up and up and up. And the last one was a picture of me, and I was not expecting the (laughs) sheer excitement (laughs) from him. And his family in, in the background was, I mean, they just, they could not, they could not get over that. And I... I, I would never have thought that that, that sort of connection would, would mean so much to someone. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at all this of a list of very, very impressive individuals, and then he was so excited to <laughs> be sitting across from a cousin. And that was just, it, it just shows you that, you know, wh- why we love what we do. You never know who you're going to be related to.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, is there a burning question that people ask you that I haven't asked you? I'm, I'm sure you, you get questioned all the time.
1: Oh, a burning question. Um, you know, a, a lot of yeah, but... I, I'm trying to think. You know, a, a lot of people uh, never ask. You know, they they, they say, "Well, it's obviously having fun," but they never, you know, they never asked you, "Do you really enjoy it?" And you know, I I will say it's yeah. The cameras are on and the TV, but I love I love meeting new people, and I love the fact that that genealogy and family history becomes a part of of individuals' lives, and, and I just love that that it's not a you know it, it it sometimes feels very scripted and very contrived but, but the reactions that we get from people are, are oftentimes so natural and the sheer the sheer joy that you get in someone's face i wish every genealogist could have the opportunity to present what they found face to face with someone because it, it's a very very special moment
0: wow wow very nice so is there another season in the works
1: am um, I, I i i cannot say any more about that am um, i <laughs> you know, unfortunately, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, I can't. Maybe, maybe not.
0: All right. And is there anything else you'd like to add uh, about the roadshow?
1: You know, I, I would, I would encourage actually, folks, if you're if you're listening and you want to submit your story, uh, go to genealogyroadshow.org, and you can go to the casting piece and submit your story. One of the the sort of qualifications, and one of the areas that that the show looks at when it decides where they want to go, is actually the number of submissions that come in from a certain area. So if you're looking for Roadshow to come to your area, you know the two things to do, one, go to genealogyroadshow.org, submit your story, and two, talk to your local PBS station and tell them that you want Roadshow to come to their neighborhood.
0: All right, very good. And then uh, is there anything you would like to add about the uh, New York Genealogical and Biographical Society? You know, first,
1: I want to thank you for for, for your, uh, having me on the show today, but also for your incredible involvement and wisdom as a member of the Family History Advisor Committee for the New York GNB. What, what makes the New York GNB such a wonderful organization are, are those who give so freely of their time and their energy to to make it great. And so thank you, Jane, and thank you to all of our, our members and contributors and supporters and, and those who, who literally look to support the GNB as, as much as possible. It's, it's very, very much appreciated
0: and and thank you and i and i would like to uh add uh with josh talking about uh the community and and that's something that i uh, very much relish uh with what i do with the gmb and uh, attending the conferences uh and and participating and so i want to thank the the uh, gmb for this opportunity as well and 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 uh, as josh was talking about McKeldon smith earlier in the show a um, thank you to McKeldin uh, for inviting me to participate. Um, so, it's it's been wonderful. Uh, so, and as we end the show, as I always do, Josh, what is your ancestry?
1: <laughs> My ancestry is um, a little bit of everything. So, a, a, a little bit Danish, a little bit Swiss, a little bit Italian, a little bit French, a little bit German, and and a lot of English, actually.
0: <laughs> and how far back do you go in, in uh, um, the
1: U.S.? You know. You know, firmly proven to documentation about fourteen hundred. You know that there there are some trees that take me back to six A.D. But we all know how those online trees are. So I, I say firmly documented <laughs> fourteen hundred on on one line.
0: All right, all right. And then, is there an ancestor who has called out to you?
1: Um, you know, I, and I, I might have talked about this individual before actually on your show, but he's still, he's still there <laughs> right, in my mind. Um, my, he's a first cousin about four times removed, but he was a circus performer in the 1850s. And my, my goal in January is to start actually writing his biography because I, he's the most fascinating individual to me. He traveled, he was born in Illinois, traveled all around the world and died in India in 1879. And it's a story that, that needs to be told. And so I, I've been diligently researching him for the past five or six years. And every time I think I'm done, I open up a whole new part of, part of his story. So I'm, he, he is still the one that, that, that speaks to me over and over again.
0: I, and you actually, you did share uh, with us. I think you, with the show for Find My Past, the newspapers had just been put online, and I think you were finding him in uh, in a bunch of newspapers.
1: Yep, yep, and and just just four or five months ago, I found that he left a will in India before he died. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, it was it was sort of subtle within the the British Consular records there. But he left a will, and from that, I learned about two or three other circus involvements that he had that I didn't I didn't even know about. So that's a whole new avenue of research.
0: Oh, very interesting. And just I'm I'm fascinated with the the records from India. So where would you find a will in India?
1: So in this case, uh, he was he was actually an American citizen, but he 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 had a will. He wrote his will, and it was sent to the East India uh, Office, and it was hidden with, with within their, basically within their papers, along with any other sort of British military officers who had also left wills at that period. So I had I had not thought to look there because he was not a British subject, and he was certainly not a military officer. But sure enough, there there was his will.
0: And, and where are the records actually?
1: Those are actually digitized. They're online at Find My Path now. Uh, but the originals are sitting at the National Archives at Kew.
0: And, and there's, okay, so they're in England. Oh, fascinating. So, Josh, thank you so much for joining us today and, and uh, sharing the uh, strategic plan with, uh, for the GNB and telling us your experiences of the roadshow. It's uh, been uh, wonderful. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back.
0: All right. And this is the Forget Me Not Hour. Your ancestors want their stories to be told. Have a good day.